the tabletop Take away Game mechanics on display Three designers share the stage Pick a genre and we'll play The tabletop Take away uh, Welcome to the Tabletop Takeaway in our wrap-up episode on co-op games. Woohoo! We, yeah, we played three games. So we had The Crew, and we Spirit had Island. Spirit Island, Island. And, and Marvel Champions. Marvel Champions. So, yeah, what did you guys, after playing and talking about co-op games, what are you thinking? You know, I, I feel like uh, Ananda brought it up quite a bit, but quarterbacking is definitely a, a weakness in a lot of co-op games, especially older co-op games, where, you know, it wasn't really a big thing yet. Uh, but once we had games like Pandemic and, you know, you're you're having someone run the show, it's like, yeah. oh, well, that's not fun. How it, do we mitigate that? Yeah, especially games without... I mean, information economy games, yeah. it's not a problem. Right, but right. non-information economy games are You need to tell me the right thing I need to know. Yeah. That doesn't, that's not a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, um, I mean, I think for, for me, I, I already mentioned this before but um yeah just having that distinction between the players um private challenge private mm -hmm. puzzle that they're trying to work on themselves and sort of the the group um, public puzzle the public puzzle yeah. um i think that really helps a lot yeah i'm i'm really curious uh taking that into account for my own game um what that'll look like because i have uh, a hero game that i'm working on which is why i got so into marvel champions because i want to make this really fun superhero game and i have for the past who knows how long x number of years and everything I, I did fell flat and it's because i think i was missing that core feel where you're not working on a puzzle it's only the public puzzle so i had quarterbacking happening um and then i changed it and it, it worked a little bit better but i never had that private puzzle and it was normally like i solved it with randomness so you didn't know it was coming and then that feels bad because you don't have the, uh, the, the foreshadowing. foreshadowing yeah the foreshadowing and like yeah it's just having these different pieces work together and talk to each other uh, to create a good co-op experience i think is really important mhm mm yeah one question i want to pose to you guys yeah. uh, is like how do you make a compelling experience when it's players versus the game and we've t you've mentioned puzzles a lot and i think for me as a designer, I tend to lean on player interaction a lot. Yeah. Um, and I want to get better at making co-op and solo games mm -hmm. that have an interesting puzzle. They have a hook. So how, yeah. How do you do that? Well, I think one of, uh, one of the really powerful things about co-op games is the emotion of camaraderie. You know, like we're yeah. all in this together. We're all helping each other. So, um, you know, regardless of whether it's puzzle heavy or puzzle light, I think one thing that's really important is to give players ways to feel like they're helping out other players. Absolutely. Um, like in Spirit Island, almost every spirit has at least one gift power in their starting cards, mm. which gives some sort of bonus to another spirit that that spirit might have a hard time getting themselves. Sure. Um, or in Marvel Champions, uh, there's a bunch of equipment that you can use to, mm -hmm. um, or, or equipment or support or whatever. Upgrade, support, yeah. yeah. That you can use, like, like I had the, what was it? The Helicarrier. The Helicarrier, yeah. which I, I used um, to help Charlie pay for his stuff sometimes. Well, you can, yeah, you can constantly use it. And if you're able to constantly just use it for other people too, that just like 
Yeah. I'm helping you out. You're helping me out. But yeah, like it, it, it feels really good to help other people. Yeah. And, and that's that's something that you really only get in co-op games. Yeah. Um, so I, I think definitely one thing you want to lean into is that feeling of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as possible. Maybe even asymmetric camaraderie where it's like other people can't oh, do yeah. what you give them. No, absolutely. Because like, yeah. that just feels the best because it's like, um, okay, you you know, I, I can do this thing for you that you can't do yourself. Um, and, this, and that Charlie can't do for you either. So it's, gonna... <laughs> it's great. Like I feel special because, um, you know, I'm the only one who can give you this benefit and you feel great because, you know, you're, you're, getting, you're getting this, this benefit. Awesome benefit. Everyone feels good. Yeah, um, yeah definitely asymmetric um uh, gifts, I guess, yeah. uh, asymmetric bonuses that you can give to other players. Well, and that's that's an interesting piece too, because in Marvel Champions, uh, you know, I, I learned uh, from my friend Logan uh, how to kind of build decks originally, and uh, there were certain cards he put in every deck. Uh, Nick Fury, you know, the Hell Carrier. Uh, there's the Avengers Tower, stuff like that, um, and those are all great cards, so they can go in any deck. And I put them both in your guys's deck, but Charlie didn't get his out. His got discarded, and so Ananda had his out, and so that made it asymmetric, but it could have been symmetric. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. fascinating, because, like, most of the hero powers do not grant support to other players. Yeah. I mean... I've noticed. At least the ones that I've played, there's now a million heroes out there, so yeah. I don't know for sure if that's still the case, but and, by and, and large. Yeah, and I mean, the, the Helicarrier, I mean, it felt nice to help Charlie with it, but yeah. it, it didn't feel that special. It wasn't yeah. like, say... Lightning, swift strike, making right. someone slow powers fast. Two of them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely. I, I think there is something there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, not just gifts that you can give other players, but unique gifts that they can't get for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, thinking about like villain decks, or for example, yeah, the Spirit uh, Island, you invaders. know, the invaders and the events that come out. Um, any thoughts on how to make those compelling or what, what do you find, Trevor, you play a decent amount of these kind of games. Like I, I try to where, uh, what do you find compelling in a villain deck? Uh, you something? know, uh, honestly, the, uh, event deck having different things that would happen under different conditions. So if the land is healed versus if the land is destroyed, or, you know, if you are in certain levels of fear, like having those different types of levels of things happen make it feel like you're telling a broader story. And that's what it is for me is like where we're at in the story and being able to tell if like, okay, we're starting out, we don't have anything, everything's on the top of the cards, simple things. And then as we delve into the game more, we're getting into those more complicated, like more interesting powers and things. Mm -hmm. Like I really like that progression, that natural progression. Yeah, and and that definitely helps you to tailor what the AI is doing. Yeah, um, to where players are in the game. Um, right. I, I mean, I, either just in terms of how far along they are, or it, like in Spirit Island, you know, like what's happened so far is the island healthy? Is it blighted? Okay, we do different things. Um, right. Yeah. Are there lots of beasts? Are there not very many beasts? Well, all the beasts are going to do this thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, a good point of like make it as thematic as you can too, because oh, yeah. like. If it's just like, you know, pure numbers game, like, oh, it's going to attack us for this. But right. like if it comes out with like, oh, there's a minion now that's now going to do like something else weird. 
Yeah, like, and, you know, I'm going to be really leaning into stories for co-op games because, you know, a lot of RPGs are effectively co-op or one versus many effectively. Um, but it's, there's something to being able to create this story, this narrative between each other and between uh, something that, you know, an AI deck. It's like, it's just an AI deck. It really doesn't mean anything until, like, these big things, these big moments happen. And allowing for synergies to exist that could happen naturally... It's like, oh, now that this and this are here, a crazy thing might happen. But have it be foreshadowed or have it be, you know, something that they could shoot for, an objective of some kind. Um, I know this is all very abstract, but like, yeah, having different small moving pieces at first and then maybe they can get bigger and bigger as you develop and design. But mm-hmm. big, big experiences are tough to design. That's all I work on and except for Color Match Pro. Uh, but like, yeah. It's tough. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're big projects. So, yeah, thinking about um, what you would bring into your own designs, um, I, I could kick it off with, like, I think, Trevor, you mentioned, like, just thinking about trying a co-op, uh, even if you think it's not a co-op game. Um, or, you it's know, like, like with the crew, yeah, the yeah. trick-taking, oh, that could be co-op. And I was thinking about that with, like, um, the Nanobots game that we're working on. Oh, yeah. And someone had mentioned, like, you know, this role that was, like, a one versus many game. Um, But the one role was a little bit boring in the last version we played. So thinking about, like, maybe it is a co-op game that's got, like, a computerized uh, version. like the Nanobots are AI? The Nanobots are the... Yeah, the or, or Turing machine, yeah, Turing type machine thing. style oh, um, sure. query system. Yeah, so you don't need an app. So you don't need an app, no. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but some something where you offload the the boring role, so everyone gets to work on the interesting role. Yeah, absolutely. Together, and then it could be more open communication too, because you're not trying to hide stuff. Yeah, from the other. Yeah, and that, that's a, a really important part for co-ops is, like, the desire to share information, but almost the restriction of being able to, either because, like, if every person knew what every ability you had were, like, they'd just be overwhelmed and, it would, like, the game would grind to a halt. So, like, you need to manage your stuff efficiently and effectively as best you can. And maybe it's not maximized, right? But you're, you know, you have things out that are doing things and you feel like you're managing this engine, uh, that is helping both the main quest, your own puzzle, and maybe even other people's puzzles as well. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you have that feedback of, like, I'm doing a good job because I have things that are doing good things. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a good positive feedback loop. Yeah, what do you guys think you'll bring into future designs? Well, uh, I mean, I, I already mentioned um, sort of the formula that I have that I have in my head for, you know, the private game, the public mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. Um, and just using that to make a, uh, a co-op game. But um, aside from that, I mean, one one thing is that, you know, co-op games are really the only game genre where everyone can win, and they can win more than half the time or more than however many, you know, one over however many players sure. there are. Um, and... Uh, I mean, that that's, that's a great benefit to the genre. And also just looking at uh, I, I mean, I think also just loosening up on timing yeah. um, rules because 
you really don't need very strict timing rules in a co-op game, I think. Um, a lot of them could be simultaneous, and you just generally don't need to worry that much about whether players are doing things in a certain order. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely something to not worry about when making a co-op game. Which is, you know, kind of counterintuitive because a lot of games, uh, especially even like Marvel Champions, very strict order of operations. Yeah. This person's turn, this person's turn. Okay, now it's the villain's turn to attack that person, attack that person. Now we resolve the encounter card, resolve the encounter. Like, yeah. you are very specifically going back and forth and back and forth. If you have four players, I, unless they're all very proficient in the game and they're all just waiting on, like, pins and needles to do yeah. their next step, it it drags. Yeah. And so, yeah, being able to just, like, hey, let's reveal our encounter cards. Bam. Yeah, you're you're all the I'm same. I'm being dealt four. You're being dealt three. Okay. Exactly. You're yeah. on the same team, so just you know, loosen up the timing restrictions. Yeah. Um, on players. Because you you want it to move, uh, but you also want most of the time to be spent on the hero's turn, which I believe is uh, what Charlie was saying, or on the player's turn. Not mm-hmm. necessarily everyone's a superhero. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like they want to engage with the game. They don't want the game to engage with them. Yeah, and and more generally, I think the Spirit Island philosophy of if you make a mistake, that's fine. Just right. keep playing is a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it's a co-op game, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Who's gonna be hurt? Who hurt? Yeah, yeah. Who's hurt by you messing yeah, up the rule? Yeah, it's not unfair, right? Like, okay, well maybe just... maybe it hurts you in the long run because it was actually an unfair real, rule to you. So maybe like okay, let's adjust that a little bit and just yeah. make it a little bit more fair for now. But mm-hmm. the game police are not gonna knock on your door and say, hey. What are you doing in there? Yeah. Well, uh, any last thoughts on co-op games? I love co-op games. They're, I mean, they're, <laughs> good. they're yeah. hard, they're good hard to design. They're hard um, to design. They are. Absolutely. Oh, my God. But the, when, when done well, they can be extremely rewarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, with that, let's wrap it up. And... Uh, Tune in next time for our next series, which we will decide on. And you'll, you'll, then you'll find hear out what us, it is. And then we'll, we'll find out too. Yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. And yeah, if you do have suggestions for uh, different games or things you want to have us feature on the podcast, you um, should find us on Facebook, on our Facebook group. Yeah. The Tabletop yeah. Takeaway. Yes. Or go to our website. Yeah. TheTabletopTakeaway.com. Yeah. Which they're going to hear anyways in our outro. That's oh, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks to Ananda for wonderful voiceover work <laughs> in this outro that you're going to hear right now. Ta-da! Hey, thanks for listening to The Tabletop Takeaway. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So please tell your friends and visit our website at thetabletoptakeaway.com where you can suggest games and mechanics for us to cover next on the show. Mm-hmm.